This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9. Good morning. You're with Melissa Idris, Kusu Chuang and Julian Ng. And it's time for the SNM show. This week, we're looking into the remuneration of fund managers versus their performance. Yeah, this fund manager performance and as well as remuneration is something that Julian and I have, uh, we've discussed this ad infinitum. Discussed and salivated over yeah. <laughs> these guys' salaries. Yeah, and we've talked about how over the long term, you know, fund managers struggle to beat the index and, you know, six or seven out of ten fail to even beat the index. Higher actually. About higher. Actually. Eight, eight out of ten. Eight out of ten percent. Yeah. And the ones that beat uh, can't maintain that ranking uh, for Correct. long well, periods yeah. of time. Um, um, track record, right? So th- the thing is, um, quite a few fund managers in Malaysia to talk about but we've chosen two because they are among the most vocal and among the most famous or the outspo- or, or outspoken uh, one is of course iCapital's Tan Teng Bu the self-styled Warren Buffett of Malaysia and the other one is Cha Ching Hai of Malaysia and of Penang stock but actually in Hong Kong and having listed his Hong Kong vehicle value partners in Hong Kong, a very respected uh, brand name actually. Yeah, in okay. Hong Kong. Yeah, and, but uh, we, in Malaysia we don't really know him. We don't right? really hear of him. Uh, his Penang, he is of um, journalism stock, right? Correct, he, he right. was. Uh, he he first worked in the Star, if I'm yep, not mistaken. Yeah, and then he left yeah. in his teens, right? He took the the boat or the ship over to Hong yeah, Kong. Yeah, you sold know, everything yeah, he had. Right, yeah. yeah. Again, I've I've studied his background, Cha Cheng Hai, and his father was, um, you know groceries he used to carry you know uh, eggs uh, on his bicycle to deliver them you know sundry shops and then he got a job uh, at the start then he went from the star because he got a job at at uh, Nikkei or something uh, in, in Hong Kong then from there he joined the Asian Wall Street Journal and then he started his own fund with a friend in his 30s and uh, it's really intriguing uh, for somebody who had come from nothing and then starting correct. one of the most respected fund managers uh, fund management fund management houses um, in Hong Kong and i think he made his break from uh, looking into china china small cap stocks or mid cap stocks yeah. when everyone uh, when nobody was looking at china Correct. So, um, okay, just because we're looking at value cap, uh, uh, value partners, right? Um, Not value cap. No, that's, <laughs> that's a, a different, different entity animal. Okay. altogether. So, value partners is listed in Hong Kong. It's got a market cap of a 17 billion Hong Kong dollars. Um, they got about 17 billion Hong Kong, uh, in fact, 17 billion US dollars in AUMs, which is assets under management. And um, they've trumpeted annual returns of 17% compounded since inception net to clients. So not bad, not you know better than a poke in the eye. Actually very, very good. Yeah. It's not, right. a, it's not bad, it's extremely Much good. better than yeah. a poke in the eye. <laughs> um, but here's the thing, Cha Ching Hai uh, makes well over 100 million Hong Kong dollars a year. Okay, so now the question is really whether or not he deserves the money that he gets paid because his salary his salary is quite basic uh-huh. but this is about bonuses and performance uh, incentives I think there's no difference to the discussion of how well uh, any CEO should be paid I mean these are the kind of discussions that are very um, topical right now yeah. in places like the UK and America whereby uh, they are trying to enforce some kind of multiple of uh, the CEO's earnings towards their rank and file uh, members of the organisation also um, a lot of hedge fund managers a lot of uh, other fund managers uh, are now billionaires, right? And in Malaysia, we also had to tackle the issue of how much uh, the SPAC managers uh, would have to earn. So, so are you saying that um, these fund managers, their their bonuses and their remuneration should actually be tied to the performance of their funds? Yeah, I guess in a way, and I want to tie this to hard numbers because when I looked into Value Partners Annual Report, um, salaries, wages, and other benefits, which I presume is mainly 
to the first, uh, you know, the, the top two the or three tier, positions, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, it went from 132 million uh, Hong Kong dollars to 161 million uh, dollars the year after that. And that's, I think, uh, something like 20% increase. But then when you look at back at the... Um, at the performance, uh, at, the, at the revenues, for example, the change was actually 56% 2014 from 2013. And, um, you know, management fees was, you know, 24% up from in 2014 from 2013. Gross performance fees, again, so, you know, it's well in excess of the 20 yeah. plus percent yeah, in, in terms of the step up at bonuses. So on that basis, yes. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, these are eye-watering numbers. and um, So th- there is always that uh, thing where you try to compare the performance of uh, the, the star fund manager to uh, his salary, his or her salary, right? And um, it's not a scientific thing. It's very hard to um, assess what is a, a, a mathematical, logical uh, calculation of what he should earn. Uh, but the other thing to consider also is also the fact that um, there is a governance aspect to all this as well. Is the the person in the position to actually influence decision, right? That, that's that governance aspect of it. Uh, because he's so powerful in the organization, actually he can uh, recommend a kind of salary uh, that is way above the performance level. And this is the same kind of problems that any other pub- public listed company can uh, is facing. Correct. And it's a whole rock star phenomenon as well because he can tell the board and he probably would sit on the remuneration committee or whatever and he'll, he'll tell the board, you know, if it wasn't for me and my partner, there would be none of these returns and value partners wouldn't be worth this much. But um, I'm sure there are checks and balances, right, Chua? Is that uh, Yeah, there are checks and balances. Um, you know, it's just that I don't know very much about value partners. Um, but, you know, on the evidence of the returns he's given to shareholders, it's really not bad, as, as Julian was saying. I, I think this is where I also will want to stick to my mantra that uh, fund managers and also analysts and brokers uh, earn a lot more money from the salaries than from their own particular investment. Of course, uh, Cha Cheng Hai's case is a, an exceptional one where if he put his own money into the funds that he managed, he would have become uh, a very a much, much richer than he, he is as well, a very rich person as well. Yeah, um, you know, again, just like Kun, I've done a bit of reading on, on, on Cha Cheng Hai's philosophies. And Kun Yu Yin, the savvy investor. Kun, Kun Yu Yin, the super mm-hmm. investor mm-hmm. or self-style super investor. <laughs> um, but, you know, Cha Cheng Hai, he's, he's, he has not made a secret of the fact that there is an information gap in the public markets. At the end of the day, what you've got to do is is um, monetize the, the gap in information between what the public thinks they know and what you know yourself. And as, as we've said many times before, you know, markets are not efficient at all. And basically, the ones who make the money are the ones who benefit at the expense of those guys who don't have that information. Whether or not that information is procured you know, from public means or from your own experience or from your contacts with, you know, the CFOs mm. or... Well, that statement, or all, has all a, that statement has a shelf life, right? Because if you make the statement today that the markets are not very efficient, then uh, the, there will be a throve of... Uh, throngs of investors will come in to exploit that statement and thereby rendering that statement actually not true because uh, if there's money to be made, you can be very, very sure that the, the market, the money would find ways uh, to actually expand, uh, expand themselves, yeah. right? So... Um, I think by and large, research has shown that markets are uh, kind of efficient, uh, maybe not in a strong form, but the, the weak and semi-weak, uh, semi-strong form, uh, the, the markets are at least efficient. And um, there is that aspect of, uh, apart from um, exploiting market efficiency, there is that aspect <laughs> where uh, fund manager salaries can be also tied uh, to the discipline of investing, uh, sticking to certain principles and 
also having a kind of market branding uh, that uh, sustains their earnings, their income potential. Because if Charging High left Value Partners, um, then I, I think the stock price would probably tank. Well, much like how when Bill Burn, Bill yeah, Gross left yeah, Pinco, Pinco, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Redemptions were three or four billion US dollars. Um, but you've got to build up the brand name over a period of time. And if you don't perform in the early years, then there's no brand to fall back on anyway, right? Um, the other thing he's made a point about in terms of his um, focus on Hong Kong and Chinese stocks is that because it's such a new exchange, there's so much inefficiency there, and he continues to look at Greater China as the big focus growth region for Value Partners. So, um, I mean, it's not the New York Stock Exchange. It's not NASDAQ, right? It's not a, a place where it's over-researched and it's thousands and thousands of research analysts. It's not. This is Hong Kong and China where So he's basically still, he's filling a market need, Correct, right? yeah, correct. Okay. And you have to think, yeah, okay, that kind of makes sense, right? Well, more on the SNM show coming up in just a few minutes. So don't touch that dial, BFM 89.9. Good morning, you're listening to the SNM Show on The Morning Run. You're with Kusu Chuang, Julian Ng and Melissa Idris. We were just comparing the remuneration packages of fund managers versus their performance. Um, we used the example of Chia Chenghai in Hong Kong of Value Partners. Um, and you also cited Tan Teng Bu Chuang uh, of iCapital. Yeah, Tan Teng Bu is a bit of an enigma here because, um, yeah, he has done quite well from public you know, statements on returns. But um, he's been relatively quiet the last few months. And when I looked at his annual report, um, as of July 2015, he had something like 67% cash in his holdings. Now, if you're running public fund and you're charging people management fees, right, and you're charging money to get into your fund and to get out of your fund, and in totality, those, those expenses build up, then why are you holding 67% of cash? And don't forget that in the last few months, there has been a lot of opportunities, especially in the thematic small and mid-cap sectors, mm-hmm. to be monetizing, right? Yeah. If, Right. So again, I, I think the cash drag. What what you're describing is the phenomenon of cash drag, of uh, pulling down returns as the fund holds more and more cash, is a very serious issue in the market. So uh, this, I, I think, uh, the problem. One big uh, issue that's related to this is the star power of fund manager because you have so much trust in the aura of the fund manager yeah, that the uh, he can deliver. The presence, yeah, yeah th- those kind of performance, and therefore you have this unquestioning trust and faith in the fund manager for them to do the right thing, including and uh, not restricted to holding large amounts of cash, right? Uh, the holding of a lot of cash uh, assumes that you can predict the future because you are assuming that things will become worse. You're predicting, you're making that prediction and therefore you're holding some amount of cash to prepare for that. Correct. And of course, um, the other thing to point out is that although his NAV is, has you know increased by nearly 200% over the um, 10 or so odd years since inception, uh, his share price, because iCapital.biz is a listed closed-end fund, the share price is not kept up. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why people like, like, say, capital partners, you know, the activist investors have taken positions and actively and publicly lobbied for this um, gap between NAV and share price to be closed. A lot of people, including some people that I know personally, they took a position in iCapital precisely because of the 30% discount between the share price and the net asset value. But that share price, that gap never closed, right? Mm. And don't forget that iCapital.biz does not pay dividends as well. So your money is pretty much inert in there and uh, 
basically you've got this opportunity. We, we go cash. back to these governance issues as to uh, whether uh, the main fund manager is actually accountable for that uh, huge discount that this, the fund is trading, the fund stock price is trading at. I mean, this is a very, very big problem with uh, what are called closed-end funds, which is what uh, Tan Tingbu is actually managing right now. But uh, a way to counter that is the rise of uh, the ETF phenomenon, uh, which is actually taking care of uh, these uh, mispricings in the market for funds, uh, for listed funds, uh, because they have uh, what are called authorized dealers to arbitrage uh, any premium or discount there is uh, between the fund price and the NAV of the fund, right? But the problem, they, they don't have this uh, for closed-end funds. Correct. And what you say is true. Although, if you want to try to get into the whole ETF phenomenon, uh, the ETFs that are available in Malaysia, uh, although they're cheaper than the, the unit trust cost, they're still you know, multiples higher than what you get on, on you know, the BlackRock um, um, portfolio funds, whatever. The thing is, if you want to get into the BlackRock um, uh, ETF uh, sphere and all the other When ones you say cheap, you're talking about management fee. Management right? fee. Yeah. I think yeah. they charge, you know, the local no, ETFs. The, the, the local ETFs are, are cheaper than the local unit trust to buy into, Correct. but they're still very expensive compared yeah. to global standards. So I don't want to name names here, but you know, generally asset management firms, they charge you 1.5% management fee a year. I think ETFs sometimes are some, more. sometimes more, yeah. right? 1.7% so a lot of times. Are you, are you saying that those fees are not justified? I mean, the, the, no, the there reason are, for... No, they are in a way, but you know, um, for example, ETFs, I think they charge in Malaysia something like 1% a year, which is a lot cheaper than the unit trust. Yeah. But then when you look at the ones listed in London or in New York, and some ETFs are, are basically... 0.1% a year, very, very, very cheap. So, so we digress a little, uh, but okay, how, much, yeah. how much does iCapital charge? Uh, okay, I, ca- I, 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 I don't know actually, yeah. to be honest, but I would Possibly around maybe yeah, one, 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 one and a half. One, 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 yeah. one and a half. Right? The other thing also is that Tan Ting Bu, his salary and his remuneration is not disclosed in the annual report. Unless I missed it, I couldn't find it. Mm-hmm. And again, from a, from a governance perspective, I'd like to know how much my, I'm paying my fund manager, right? Because I want to be able to link it to performance. It could be that um, his salary is uh, taken care by the management fee. So the management fee is actually disclosed and then the management fee takes care of all the expenses of uh, managing the fund, including salaries okay, of so the fund inclusive. managers. It could yeah. be. It and could but, be. But on this point alone, it is very interesting to highlight uh, the structure of Vanguard. Vanguard uh, was... Uh, Vanguard. You spoke to John Bogle, actually. I, I spoke to John Bogle, and uh, they started the f- very first index fund in the world, all right, uh, purportedly. And the structure is very interesting because Vanguard, uh, the unit trust holders, are also shareholders of Vanguard, right? So a lot of the cost is a lot of the profits that are being made is actually passed back to shareholders, and that that's how they can maintain very very low cost in uh, managing the funds. Uh, Fantastic. But but the the normal structure of uh, normal fund management firms, especially in Malaysia, is that they set up a separate asset management mm. firm that uh, makes revenue from the management fee that is generated out of those funds that they manage. You know, I suspect they can they do that because they can and because the market is still so immature. It's accepted. It's, it's accepted, accepted by right? the market. And investors swallow it. They think, oh, you know, that this is what it is. And it's what accepted it even in a place uh, like the United States where Vanguard is from. I think Vanguard is the only one that has such a structure, even in a country like United States. Correct. But the fact that they've done it and they can still make a considerable amount of money, right? It just makes you, in, you know, just indicates how much more money there is on the other alternative structure. And you know, people are minting. And we see reports all the time on Bloomberg about how hedge fund managers, they make 50 billion, 30, no, not 50 billion, you know, two or three billion a year. Uh, you know, it's hugely profitable. But, okay, 
off off my my question is you don't don't you think that in some level this is um the way CEOs justify their re- remuneration right and their bonuses the accountability the performance what they have to do it's it's just kind of signed into the the package deal and you have to be kind of okay with that is it is it part of the market to regulate what they earn it should be but in reality whether in Malaysia or the US there is no direct link between performance and and um, CEO salary we've seen so many times um, in Malaysia, there are even said you know companies like Genting, who have had a very very bad year, right? Who, who have been pummeled and in terms of fewer net high you know high rollers, and they've been pummeled by um, you know the the slowdown in Macau high rollers and gambling. But I'm pretty sure that the chairman will still continue to walk away with his 95 million ringgit a year compensation, um, and things won't change. You know, good times 95 million, bad times 95 million, 100 million, right? And it's all all along the Genting listed chain, so from plantations to Berhad to Singapore. And there you go. That's our rant for the SNM show. You've just been listening to Kusu Chuang, Julian Ng, and I'm Melissa Idris. Ten o'clock news is coming up in just a few minutes, so stay tuned. BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.